Hi, this is Pastor Craig. Thank you for tuning in for the latest episode of my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. You can contact us at studyhiswordministries at yahoo.com. Thanks again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we have together this morning. Father, I just ask that you would help us to focus on you, your word this morning, that we would hear what you want us to hear. Father, I just ask that you help me deliver your message accurately and truthfully. Father, we just thank you and praise you for all that you're doing in our lives. And again, we just give you all the honor, praise, and glory, and all these things I ask in your son's name. Amen. Okay, we're back in Ephesians chapter 5. I want to start in verse 8 this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Paul starts out here in in verse 8, and it's really kind of a continuing of um, what was previous, where he says, "For, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. That's coming off of what he had said in verse 7. He said, Therefore do not be partakers with them. Who are the them? The then are the sons of disobedience. And he's talking about a lot of the the lifestyle and the sins of the sons of disobedience, unsaved people. And he was saying, you know, do not be involved with them because, in verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world, or in the Lord, walk as children of light. He's giving us that, that contrast that you were once like that. You were once in darkness. You were once disobedient. But now you are in the light, and the light, the source of the light is the Lord. But you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the light. Turn to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says, For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. And it's just, again, it's just a a litany, a reminder of the lifestyle of an unsaved individual, that that's what we once were when we were unsaved. And so Paul here in Ephesians is saying, that's how you were. Darkness is evil. It's the unconverted individuals. And now you are light in the Lord. You're living in truth, so walk like it. That's why he says... Walk as children of light. And all that means is live it. When when they talk about walking it, they're talking about living it. Because living it is so much more important than what we say. We can talk all day long about what kind of a Christian we are and what's right and what's wrong. But it's when you live it, it's when you walk it that you're really in it. That's the picture of you being in it. It says for... You were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the, the goodness and the righteousness and the truth, that is what is produced 
in your life by walking in the light. When you are living by Christ's truth, when you're living by the truth that's in the word, then the fruit of that, the result of that, is this goodness, righteousness, and truth. And goodness, goodness is moral excellence. A person, the goodness in their life is when you have moral excellence. You're not participating in all of the immoral sins that we we know what those are. The righteousness is the actual behavior itself. You could almost say the goodness, the moral excellence is your, um, um, your standards and then your standards of goodness, and then that's manifested by your righteousness, by your behaviors, that living those kinds of things. And then he says truth, truth being honesty and integrity. And I mean, they all, they all fit together. Your, your honesty, your integrity, your behaviors, your moral excellence, you know, they, they all fit together, they all intertwine. Turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 and 23 says here, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. That's where Paul gives a more specific listing of the fruits of the Spirit. But you can see those behaviors, those attributes are tied directly to what he's talking about here when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, the goodness, the righteousness, and the truth. When you have those in your life, you're going to have these other items that he talks about there. They're all tied together. And these things manifest themselves in our life when we're walking in the light, when we're walking in truth, when our guidance is the Lord. It's directing our life. Verse 10, he says, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, which is kind of half of a sentence there. So it says, for you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. In the King James, it says, instead of saying finding out what is acceptable, in King James, it says proving out what is acceptable to the Lord. The idea there is that you learn by clear evidence what is acceptable to God. And how do you learn by clear evidence what is acceptable to the Lord is that's part of the learning process of walking in the light. As you are using God's truth to guide you and you're walking in the light you will gain that understanding, that wisdom of what, what the perfect will of God is. And so that's what he means here by saying, proving or finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. By walking in the light, by having truth guide your life, you will come to an understanding of what the will of the Lord is. And we talked last two weeks about what is God's will for my life. And, and we saw when we looked at all that, You see how that, as you're living out the truth, you will have that understanding of God's perfect will, and that is what allows you to make the decisions in life that you have to make on a daily basis. Um, Romans chapter 12. 
verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. That's what happens. As our minds are renewed, as our minds are transformed, as we live out God's truth and let that be the guide in our life, then we will prove out what is the perfect will of God. We will demonstrate, we will learn what is that perfect will of God by living in the truth, by living in the light. And the truth comes from Christ and the truth for us comes from the word. We, we know truth by reading, studying God's word and applying it to our life. And that's the only way that we'll ever understand God's will. That's the only way that we'll ever have a Christian walk is by reading, studying the Word of God, and then applying it to our life. There's no shortcuts. Okay, verse 11. He says, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Okay, it says, um, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Have no fellowship with the individuals that are living in darkness and the kind of lifestyle that they live. Have no fellowship with them. Do not be a part of it. It's interesting because he talks. He had previously been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. That's what comes out of our lives. And now he's talking about the unfruitfulness of darkness. Because unsaved individuals living in sin, walking in sin, produce no good fruit. Now, he doesn't specify good fruit, but the context of this is good fruit. Everybody produces fruit, either good fruit or bad fruit. And obviously the fruit produced by the sons of disobedience, by people living in darkness, is bad fruit. And so here he refers to that bad fruit as unfruitfulness. But he's saying, do not fellowship with that. Why? Because they are opposites. And opposites, in this context, cannot coexist. They cannot exist together. There cannot be darkness in the presence of God. God is light, God is truth, and we see everywhere through Scripture where it's black and white. There is dark and there is light, and they cannot be together. And that's what he's saying here. He says, do not be a part of that darkness. It's, it's unfruitful, and you have no part of it. The other part of this he says here, he says, but rather expose them. So it's not just enough to avoid fellowship with darkness. It's not enough just to run away from it, but Paul says we have an obligation to expose it. And I think it would be proper to say here that I think overall the context of what Paul is saying on this subject is I believe he's referring specifically to darkness within the body of believers, within the church, with those who profess to be of Christ. Because that is the most dangerous form of darkness, is that which is in the church. False teachers, and even, even people who are not 
in teaching positions, but are members of that body that are living in sin, that are in darkness. That, that's a blight on the church. In Paul's letters in general, you know, his, his letters are to believers. And in many of his letters, he addresses problems in the church itself. For instance, Corinthians, he dealt with a lot of the problems they were having in the church at Corinth. In Galatians, he's dealing with issues they had there in the church in Galatia. So I think it's proper here to say that he's probably speaking mostly about darkness in the church because it is so dangerous. That is our obligation to expose it for what it is. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Another reason why I think Paul probably had in mind in, in this, this text here in Ephesians about exposing the darkness that's primarily in the church. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 here, he's giving Timothy instructions and he's talking about elders and situations with elders. And he says, uh, um, verse 19, do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. Then verse 20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all that the rest also may fear. So here again, he's talking about specifically exposing sin that's in the church. And again, I believe because it is such a dangerous thing, that's what he's talking about. Um, he said there in, carrying on in verse 12, For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Obviously, he's talking about rather despicable sins when he says it's shameful to even speak about it um, by those that are doing it. So he says it's, it's, it's shameful even to speak of those things when it's being done, but he says we are to expose it. So the important thing to keep in mind is that it's shameful to talk about. Our obligation is to expose it, but it's not to be topics for gossip. It's not to be topic of conversation around the dinner table um, because it is you know, shameful acts that are being committed. It's to be exposed. It's supposed to be dealt with in a biblical manner, in a Christ-like manner uh, for what it is, rebuke the individuals. But again, it's not to be the topic of discussion around the water cooler type thing. And I, and I think we also must keep in mind the context of this in Ephesians here Mostly what he was talking about, you go back to verses 3 and you go back to verse 5, and most of what he was talking about in, in verses 3, 4, and 5 is about sexual sins. And it makes sense here in here when he's talking about how shameful they are, the things that are done in secret, and again, things that need to be dealt with, things that need to be put away as far as our fellowship with those individuals, but they need to be dealt with. But again, it's not to be the topic of conversation. Um, verse 13, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. What he's saying there is, it's light that makes things visible. In other words, it's the truth, it's the light that exposes the sin. That's what he's talking about there. Truth exposes sin. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. This is uh, Christ here speaking, 
And he says, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. And again, you know, Christ was saying here that, that those living in sin avoid the light because why? Light exposes sin. So all Paul is saying here is that we walk in the light. We do not fellowship with darkness. When there is sin and darkness within our group, we need to rebuke it and we need to use the truth to expose it for what it is. And again, we don't gossip about it. We don't talk about it. We don't run around behind people's back and talking about it. We use truth to expose it to get it out. Um, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom he must give account. His word is what exposes. God already knows. God already sees. It tells us it's not hidden there. But it's his truth that exposes sin for what it is. So this, this is Paul's, really his instructions here in Ephesians um, that, yes, we once were in darkness. Yes, we once lived those kind of lives. But now we are, as, as saved, regenerated individuals, we are to walk in the light. And we are not to fellowship with those among us who are in the darkness. And we are to use God's truth, the word of truth, to expose them for what they are. And really, you've heard the old saying about, you know, bad company corrupts good company. And it is so true. My experience has been over the years that... When believers are tied closely to unbelievers, that 99 times out of 100, the darkness has a stronger influence on light than light on darkness. You know, we like to think that as Christians and we shine our light and we're close to those that are dark, we like to think that our light will have a positive effect on them. And sometimes it does. But again, my experience has always been the more closely you are tied to those that are in darkness, the greater is going to be the effect of the darkness of the sin on those that are trying to walk into the light. And then Paul knows that, and Paul, this is what Paul's telling us here. So, Scott, would you close us in prayer, please? Thanks again for listening. Please make sure that you hit the subscribe button so you will not miss a single episode of our podcast. Have a great day.